So tonight, um, I want to talk to you about tonight about how God speaks to us through his word today. How many of you know that God speaks to us through his word today? How many times has God spoken to you through his word? I can't even count how many times he's spoken to me. But also, I want you to understand that as Christians, one of the greatest weapons in our arsenal that we have is exactly that, the word of God. You always hear worship is one of our weapons, but let me tell you, the word of God is another weapon that we have in our arsenal. And the word of God, this holy book, the Bible that everyone calls it, is the most important outside of worship. It's the most important weapon that we have in our arsenal for God. So this book was written and it was fired by the Holy Ghost when he moved on men. And it, this book contains four, uh, 66 books, but it was written by 40 different people all throughout time. 40 different authors that wrote this book, and it has stood the test of time. Amen? So the Bible has become the single most important book of all time. In fact, over 500 billion copies of this book has sold worldwide. And not only that, but it has always, it's been on the number one bestsellers list for all time. For all time, the word of God has been the number one of all time. Amen. God is so good. But not only that, but this Bible has transformed the world. It was the first book that was ever printed. Did you know that? It was the first book ever printed by a man named Johannes Gutenberg. And not only that, but this is really cool that I found out, that recently he was voted the most uh, famous person, the most, um, I think it was the fa most famous person in the last 1,000 years was the man that printed this book for the very first time, the man that has lived the last 1,000 years. And so people will not only be transformed, the world's not only transformed by this book, but people will die for this book. And it's happening today. We just recently are seeing this in Afghanistan. People are dying for believing Jesus and believing in this word. And so people are martyred and have been martyred for centuries and centuries because they believe in the word of God and they believe in it that much that they will die for it. And so even today, all over the world, there's places if you uh, try to distribute a Bible, uh, you can be uh, martyred. You can be killed. They, they do not allow Bible distribution. Uh, they don't want this word getting into people's hands because they know the power that it has. The enemy knows the power that this word has to transform and change people's lives. So this word, the Bible, has been praised, it's been cursed, it's been banned, it's been burned, and it's been fought over. People swear on it, and people swear at it a lot of times, too. And so this word, nothing, anything that's ever tried to come against it, it's always failed. Anytime anyone has ever tried to eliminate the word of God, it has always, always failed People have either hated it or they've either loved it. It's been that controversial that it's even started wars. Governments have even toppled on account over this word. But the most important thing is that lives have dramatically been changed by this word. That's how powerful his word is. 
It's the, the Bible's the most uh, copied book of antiquity. It was written over a period of 1,500 years, and it was completed approximately 2,000 years ago. Yet in all of the centuries that have passed, none of its contents have ever been found to be inaccurate. It has been sifted, studied, commentated, and dissected than any book in the history of the world. And not only that, but volumes of other books have been written about this book. No other book can say that about itself. That's how important it is. It can be verified by archaeology, ge geography, custom politics, culture, world history, and I'm going to even be so brave to say science because science always proves it, but fake science would always try to disprove it. Amen? And so we've seen it go through all of these things, but you know what? It's still here. The Word of God will always stand. It will never fade away. Amen. And it's accurate. New discoveries always support it, never vice versa. It has never once been proven faulty, not on one single detail, <laughs> although many have tried. It contains a life-changing message of freedom, the only life-changing message of freedom. It has liberated many from oppression by its teachings. It raises dignity and rights of human beings all human beings that were ever born. It is truly amazing and remarkable the piece of writing that this book is because it is the written word of God. And nothing compares to God. Nothing compares to God. That God in his infinite wisdom and power and sovereignty has chosen to give all of us a will and a choice to make. And because God doesn't control us like robots, although he could if he wanted to because he is God, he has chosen us to have that decision to make for ourselves. So it's up to you and I to decide whether we believe this word or if we do not. It is up to us to decide. This word connects us to the history's most important figure, and I think you know who I'm about to say. It's all about, this whole word, this whole Bible is all pointing us to one man, and his name is Jesus. It's all about God's redemption of mankind through Jesus. Thank you, Lord. People are free to reject this book and what it says. That's their choice. Like I said, God made us free moral agents, basically. But the word of God does just that. It offends our flesh. It offends our flesh when we read it. You know why? Because our flesh is all about me. It's all about what I want. It's what I want to believe. It's about what I want to do. It's all about me. That's what our flesh does. So this word, when we read it, oftentimes it offends our flesh. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I know. I've read it and been offended. I'm like, nah, -uh, Lord, really? Come on. It offends my flesh. I don't want to do that. I want to do what I want to do. But his word is Emmanuel. It's a book of life for us to live by. He left it for us for a reason. And so the word of God is either going to offend you or it's going to convict you. If you allow it to, 
If you allow it to, it will convict you. It all depends on how you perceive it and how you receive it. Amen? You know what I'm talking about. If you receive it and you perceive it through the eyes of God as your father speaking to you, you know, like a loving father does, correcting you, then you will receive it and you'll be convicted instead of being offended by it all the time. Amen? So it's our moral compass. It's a manual for life, and it does have all the answers. I know this. It has all the answers to our life. It's a road map. It's the only road map that will not lead you in the wrong direction. The only one. And anyone that knows me knows well that I love, love, my favorite subject is, is geography. And I love to drive. Everyone that knows me knows knows me well, knows that I love to drive. But I, I will literally sit and study maps since I was a little girl. And just, I love geography that much. I don't, can't explain it. It's weird, I know. But that's how I've always been. And so when I'm driving, I'm usually always the one driving because that's the only place I like to be in control. I, you can have, honey, you can have control of anything else. And so I'll do whatever you want. But I've got to drive. That's, that's our story. And anyway, so when I'm driving, I just always know I'm going in the right direction, like in my mind, right? Because you're either directional or you're non-directional. Okay, I'm the directional one in the couple. There's always a couple, and the couple's always one is directional and one is every person I've met. It's like God just knows exactly how to put, who to put you with, right? Because otherwise, we both would be fighting over the driver's seat. And that wouldn't be a good thing because he would get his way because he's more strong will, right? We all know that <laughs> in my case. But my point is this what I, that I'm trying to make is that I, even when I hear her GPS telling me redirecting, 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 I'm like, uh, no, no, she's wrong. I'm going the right way. I know I'm going the right way. I think that I'm right all the time, right? But I'm not always right. But a lot of times I am. But, but sometimes she's not right. You know why? Because she's a computer. And she makes mistakes. In other words, she's fallible. She's fallible. But how many of you know that the word of God is a roadmap to lead us down the right path in our life? And the word of God is infallible. The word of God is infallible. There's no mistakes with the word of God. He knows the direction that he's taking us. If we seek him, if we read his word, if we believe what it says, he will not take us down the wrong path. Sometimes it might be bumping, like Pastor Caleb said a minute ago. There will be trials, there will be trouble, but he's always going to be right there in the passenger seat with you. He'll never leave you or forsake you when you're following after him. The word of God is completely trustworthy as a guide to our salvation and the life of the faith that we live as Christians. It will not fail. It will not fail. It will accomplish its purpose every time. It is incapable of making mistakes. It's infallible. It's incapable of being wrong. It's infallible. It's never failing. It's infallible. It's always effective. It's infallible. Amen.
Why else would God, the Holy Spirit, why else would he move on men of old to pen the words in the Bible? It's not a mistake that we have it printed. It's not a mistake that five billion copies of this beautiful, wonderful, marvelous book has been uh, uh, in people's hands. Five billion copies. I think there's like seven billion people on earth, right? Maybe it's more than that now. But how awesome is that? That this word is in so many hands, but yet there's still so many people that have never read it, have never picked it up. It might be collecting dust on their shelf when it was meant to guide us, direct us, teach us, train us, correct us, all of those things that our flesh might not want. That's what it was meant for. Psalms 119.105 says, His word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. He will light your path when you dig into his word. And so it guides us, it instructs us. But not only that, the word of God also, it speaks to us. How many of you can verify that? Has the word of God ever spoken to you? The word of God is living. It's called active. So we must, we must, must read the word. We can't leave it sitting on the shelves. It's not there to make us look religious or seem like we have a relationship with God. You've got to get it in your hand. You've got to get it in your head. And you've got to get it in your heart. So we've got to read it. And just like a good father, it corrects us and it teaches us. A good father does this. A good father corrects and teaches his children. A good father doesn't let them run wild and let them do whatever they want. But a good father leads them in the right way that will benefit their lives ahead of trouble, ahead of things. A father will talk and teach their child. How many of you fathers have ever had your children. I remember when my children were little. It scared me to death to have them by a busy road. I live on a busy road. And it scared me to death to know if they would, were to get out in that road. So what do we do when, as parents when our children are little? We have to teach and train them the right things that will keep them safe and that will protect them. So a good father will say, baby, listen, you can't go out into that street because cars are going by uh, fast all of the time. And, and I love you so much. And the reason why I'm telling you this, it's not good to play in the street is because I want you to be safe and I want you to be, be protected because I love you. That's what a good father does to his children, right? Well, that's what God does to us through his word. It instructs us. It teaches us how to live, how to be live pleasing to him because he wants the very best for our lives. And so we've got to let God and his word teach us how to live. And so I want to share with you uh, two ways that God's word is described in the Bible. And some of you probably already know this. But I know that uh, this was for someone tonight because I felt it so strong. Um, but there's two ways that God's word, his written word, his word is described in the Bible. And one of the ways is the written word, which is this right here, front to back, your Bible. Who's got their Bible in here tonight? 
If you've got your Bible, hold it up. The written word, the logos is what it's called, the logos word of God. That's what this is front to back. Everything in this word points us to one thing, to Jesus, right? Yes. And so there's the written word, and I'm going to briefly talk about that. And then there's also what's called the spoken word of God, which is also known a lot of times as the rhema word of God. And so the written word, also called the logos, is the whole word of God. It's the revelation of God. It's God revealed to us by his word. Y'all understand that? It's God revealed to us by his word. Uh, Hebrews 4 and 12 says this, that for the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So it discerns body, soul, and spirit. It tells us things about ourselves emotionally, physically, everything about ourselves to do. 2 Timothy 3 and 16 says, All scripture, the word of God, that it is God-breathed, that it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Equipped. That's what this word does for a child of God. It equips us. It equips us in our walk with God. It equips us when we're in a battle. It speaks to us. And so the Logos is God active in creation, revelation, and redemption. And uh, Jesus Christ not only gives, huh, get this, Jesus Christ not only gives God's word to us as humans, but the word of God actually says that he is the word. He is the word. I'll give you scripture for that if you want to debate it or if you're a theologian and you don't agree with that. John 1 and 1 says it. I got John 1 and 1. And it says this, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. So the word was with God in the very beginning of time. And then it says, and the word was God. Got that? And it says he was in the beginning with God. Who was in the beginning with God? All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And the word became flesh, and he dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. So God makes himself known through Jesus, who is himself revealed in the Bible. Remember what I said, that everything in this book points to Jesus. Everything points to him. In fact, Jesus repeatedly himself points to scripture all the time. You'll see, and I'll share some of that. So the word points to the word. At the same time, the scripture points to Jesus. You got that? I know. This, this can be kind of deep stuff when you're thinking about this right here. And so the word points to the word. That's amazing. We must read and meditate on the word of God, the written word of God, because it's life-giving. So if it wasn't for the word, I want you to think this. Think about this. I'm provoking this thought in you. 
If it wasn't for this word right here, the Bible, we wouldn't have faith to believe that there was a God. Think about that. Would you have faith to believe that there was a God? Maybe. Maybe you would. Maybe you wouldn't. If we didn't have his word. If we didn't have this manual of life to go by. So we've got to learn to have his word up here. But we've got to, more importantly, have his word right here in our heart. That's why daily Bible reading, study, and devotion in the word is so important. I meet people all the time, and they're constantly going to Bible studies and devotions. And man, that's exciting. I love that. They just want to be in the word all the time. But that's how you grow in God. That's how you mature spiritually is by getting the word of God, not only here, but right here. And so we build up this arsenal uh, when we consume his word, uh, when, we, when we, we build up that supply, when we feed on his word all the time. So it's the only book, and you, many of you have heard this before, that you'll read where the author is present with you all the time. How many of you have ever read a book and you've had the author there with you? I mean, maybe if it was your mom wrote the book, right? Maybe your mom wrote the book and she's like, here, read my book I just wrote. Like, you probably, your mom, your, the author was probably there. But it's the only book that anybody in the whole world, even if we all read it at one time, the author is present with us when we read that, his word. If you don't understand his word, the Bible says, ask the Holy Spirit, and he will teach you all things. He says, ask for wisdom, and God will grant it to you. I will give it to you if you ask me. So if you do have trouble and you feel like every time you pick up the Bible, it's just, um, it's just you, it's words that you just can't understand, ask him. Pray. Ask the Father. Ask your heavenly father before you get into his words, say, Lord, give me wisdom. Holy Spirit, reveal things to me. Enlighten me. Give me understanding. I made the biggest mistake when, before I even came to God, honestly, it was before I even came to God, I was pregnant with my firstborn with Haley. And I guess because I was going to have a baby, I wasn't living for God. I wasn't really raised in church, I would say. But I knew that I had this responsibility coming, and it just made me want to get closer to God. And I didn't know where to start. And I remember I started reading the book of Revelation. Oh, my. That's like the worst place to start. I mean, because, you know, when you live for God out of fear, it's not going to keep you very long, right? (laughs) Fear will only keep you so long. But for the love of God. So... Anyways, someone told me, you should start with the book, start with the Gospels. John's the good book to start with. And so I did that. And God just started ministering to me because I was hungry. I was hungry for him to talk to me. And he will if you ask him. He sees your heart. He sees that you're hungry and he wants to help us. He wants to show us in his word. And so the Holy Spirit will teach us all things. The second thing, the second way that the word of God is talked about in the Bible is the spoken word, which is the rhema word. This is like a word of faith that God will give you in a moment. This is why it's important to have the word here, the written word, so that it can be here, so that when God needs to speak a word to you, 
he, you will know. And God will speak a scripture that you have read before. And in that moment, it's going to help you in that moment. So listen to what Jesus did. Jesus used the word when he was tempted by the devil in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. Matthew 4, uh, 1 through 10. I might not read all of that. But all of us know that Jesus was led up to the, into the wilderness for 40 days, 40 nights, tempted by the devil. Okay? And it says this, when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. And listen how Jesus answers back to him. He says, it is written. This is how he fought the enemy, Satan himself. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into a holy city, set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written. Who's saying that there? This isn't Jesus yet. Look at this. He's mocking the word of God. He is mocking. The devil is mocking the word of God. And he's telling Jesus, if you really truly are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you. And in their hands, they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. <laughs> the devil was speaking to Jesus and said those things. But listen how Jesus responds to him. For it is written, I'm sorry. This is how Jesus responds to him. It is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you. If you fall down and worship me, then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. The word, when he talks about the word here, when Jesus says that it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. When you look up that word, word in the Greek, it's not talking about the logos word of God. It's talking about the rhema word of God. It's talking about the spoken word of God. It's a word spoken by God at the right time in the right moment. It's a word for the now. It's a word that is coming in sync with the spirit of God. So it's the spoken word of God, the rhema word is. So how many of you have ever gotten a rhema word from God? How many of you maybe were wrestling with, with fear? Maybe you were wrestling with fear and the spirit of the Lord because you had the Logos word of God inside of you would tell you you're wrestling with fear, but all of a sudden the spirit, you feel an unction in your spirit and the Lord speaks to you and says that, that, um, that oh my God, just went blank myself. Lord Jesus, help me. I've not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. I got so many thoughts in my head right now, Lord. So many things are just like going like this in my head right now. I've not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Or maybe you've been going through something and you're lacking in an area. And, and the Lord reminds you of a scripture because you had that word here. You had that word here. He said, I shall supply all your needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. How many times has that happened to anybody? 
because you have the Logos written word of God in your head. It moved here in your heart. And so in the moment that you needed it, God spoke that word. He did it to help you. He did it to encourage you to over, to be an overcomer, the overcomer that you are. That's how the rhema spoken word of God works. That's why it's important for every Christian believer to get into the word of God, to read it every day and get it inside of you so that when you need that rhema word of God, God will speak it to you in the right moment at the right time. It's there to help the believer. It's there to help the believer. And so that's... Uh, the rhema word of God is not only used there, Jesus uses it, uses scripture all the time. And in Ephesians chapter 6, we see Paul also talking about the rhema word of God when he says, to, he's talking about the armor of God and how important it is for us to be equipped and put on the armor of God. And he lists seven things, seven pieces of armor that we need to have as Christians. And the reason he's talking about this, he's saying that we need this armor on to fight the enemy, to fight the enemy of our soul. We need to wear the armor of God every day. He's not talking about physical armor that we need to wear, okay? It's in a spiritual sense that we have to wear. And the first one is he says that to gird your waist with truth. And he says that we've got to put on the breastplate of righteousness. He says that we need to have our feet shod with the gospel, preparation of the gospel of peace. He says that we need to take up the shield of faith, which will quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. And then he says this, that we need to wear the helmet of salvation. And then the seventh one, that he says that we need is that we need the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The sword of the spirit is the word of God. It's this word right here. But when you look up that word in the Greek translation, it's the rhema word. He's saying you need a rhema word when you're in a battle. When you are fighting the enemy of your soul, you need a spoken word from God to fight him off. That's why it's important for the church not to be illiterate in the word of God. You can't be all about the spirit. Uh, you can't be even just all about the word, you know, the faith, the faith church. But you've got to have a balance. You've got to have the word and the spirit. Amen? And so it's important for the church to know the word of God. It's part of our arsenal to have it inside of hearts, the written Logos word of God, so that when the enemy comes, the rhema word of God will fight for you. You know, I, not only scripture, but I have a story, and, and someone that I know very close to me, and she had, had struggled getting pregnant for many, many years and, and got pregnant. And um, at the same time, um, her mom was getting older, and anyway, she, she was, at, um, I don't know, 40 or so, ended up getting pregnant. And when she was five months pregnant, she told me that in the middle of the night that a, the Spirit of God woke her up in the middle of the night and she sat up in her bed and she literally heard these words. He said, I'm giving you him to prepare you for what's next. The baby that was inside of her, she didn't even know it was a him yet. It was a him. It was a him after she had him. Because she took care of her mom. I don't want to say too much. But sure enough, her mom didn't live much longer after that. 
But God will give you a rhema word like that, sometimes even just to prepare you for what's next in your future. Oh. <laughs> I don't know what that was. As long as it's not a snake, I'm good. <laughs> but God will do that. God will do that to help us through life because he loves us just that much. He loves you just that much that he wants to speak to us, but are we listening? He wants to speak to us, but are we hearing what he wants to say? And I can't help but think about what's going on in the world right now, especially like in Afghanistan, what the believers had to face over there when they were given the ultimatum to denounce the word, to denounce Jesus or give up their lives. What, what provoked them to do that? I know it's a personal relationship with Jesus. That's what it's all about. But I just wonder and think, like, would we be strong enough to do that if that ever happened here in America? Would we be able to stand and love this word that much and love God and Jesus enough and his word enough to not denounce it and no matter if we got martyred or not? Have you ever, I know that's, oh, I don't want to think about those things. No one wants to think about those things, but that's what's happening in the world today. The church in China, underground churches all over the world, we're so blessed and we're so privileged. Thank you, Lord, that we can come and worship, Lord, here in America. I pray that privilege never, ever, ever goes. So I want to go ahead and close with this. John 12 and 25 says this, that the person who loves his life and pampers himself will miss true life. But the one who detaches his life from this world and abandons himself to me he will find true life and enjoy it forever. That's eternity in Jesus. Matthew 6 and 19 says, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroy them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy. Thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Amen. And so the most important thing that we can do is leave a legacy. The most important thing, if you have children, if you have children, the most important thing that you can do for your children is to leave a legacy of loving Jesus and loving this word. This word, this Bible right here, was actually my mama and papa's Bible. And when they passed away years ago now, I didn't care about the possessions that they had. They were simple people anyway, even if they did have a lot. But the one thing that I requested that I wanted was their Bible. It's the greatest gift that you can leave to your family and to your children. And even if you've taught your children and they've strayed away, the Word of God promises us, train them up in the way he shall go. When he's old, he's not going to depart. In other words, that seed that you sowed in your children's life, it's never going to leave them. It's always going to be there. They're going to come back. They're going to come back because God's word never fails. Because God's word is perfect. And I wanted to bring my mom's Bible because I, 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 I want, that was my request. Just give me their Bible. I don't care about anything. I don't care about the possessions. If I'm going to ask for anything, I want the Bible. But my sister had bought it for her. So she got it. So I didn't get it. So I have to show you all this one. <laughs> But I'm glad my sister wanted it because it was she, she thought like me 
that's all I want. I want that Bible. I want the word of God that my mom read, that she flipped through, and that she wrote in. My mom's Bible is full of highlighting. And she came to the Lord late in life, late, here at this church. 14 years ago, she gave her life to Jesus. And it was she's got notes, and I, I wanted all that. It's just awesome, the legacy that we can leave our children, how you teach them at home, how you raise them, teach them the word of God. Even if it's one scripture a week that you were just read one scripture a week before you drop them off at school, read the word of God. Get, a, get something out of Proverbs, the wisdom. Get wisdom for them. Read one thing out of Proverbs all throughout the year to them in the morning right before they leave. Just get the word of God in their heart. Isaiah 40 and 8 says this, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God, that it stands forever. Matthew 24 and 35 says, Heaven and earth, it will pass away, but my word will never pass away. His word will never pass away. That's how important it is. That's how important it is to him that we have it right here in our hearts. Amen. Thank you, Lord. If you don't mind going and standing, I'm going to go ahead and close. And I just want to take the opportunity. I don't know if we have any visitors here tonight. I don't know if maybe there's someone that is here and this spoke to you. Maybe it helped you in some way in your walk with God. I pray, I pray, I pray that it helps you in your walk with God. That's all that matters. But if you're here and you've never given your heart to Jesus, if you've never allowed, allowed him to come in, I, wanna, I don't want to go without that, giving you that opportunity. So I want us to just go ahead and pray. If that's you, just pray with me. Pray out of your heart. I can pray for, for you and show you how to pray. But what God really wants is our heart. That's all he wants is our heart. So just speak your own words from your own heart to him. And so whoever this may be for, Father, in the name of Jesus, let this thank you, Lord. Lord, we surrender to you, Lord. And we say, have your way. Forgive us, Lord. We repent, Lord, of our ways. We repent of our ways and we turn from them, Lord. And we turn to you, Lord, in this moment. And we say, Lord, that we make you Lord over our lives. And I thank you, Lord, that you're doing a work right now. That you're going to change me from the inside out, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.